G'day friends, welcome back. <sighs> Let's get into it. Even if our game had not been on the Thursday night, I definitely would have addressed this first. So St Kilda went down to Richmond by 86 points, just when I thought the Essendon loss was going to be our worst game for the year. So, oh, I don't even know. Look, I I'd, I'd think the 8... It's probably out of the question now. Not because I don't think we can win enough games, just because of how important percentage is in getting into the eight. We're, we're, our percentage is 71, I think, which, you know, the only team who's worse than that is North Melbourne, which is not a club you want to be in this year. So, yeah, I think it's going to be really, really hard for us to make the eight. And because of how hard it's going to be to even make the eight, even if we do make the eight, I can't imagine us winning a final. Um, I don't even know where to begin. I would rather players like Marshall and Jones be late inclusions than late exclusions. I'll say that first of all. They had them in the team and then they pulled them out an hour, hour and a half before, which is what most teams do. It was just like they, I, all the talk about how they'll, they'll maybe get up, you know, oh, they're in the team, but we don't know. I think they knew they weren't going to play and they were just praying that by some miracle they'd be fit to play. So that was the first thing that went wrong. And then just about everything else that could go wrong went wrong. If your name isn't Hunter Clark, Nick Caulfield, and Jack Steele, you really can't hold your head high as a St Kilda player. Everyone else was pretty mediocre. There were other players who were serviceable, but no one really, like, tried. And everyone else has been hanging shit on him. I'm going to add to it. No more excuses for Brad Hill. There's no more. Um... There's also no excuses for bringing anything into this conversation other than his on-field performance. Nothing else needs to be said. Saints fans, thank you. Um, he is, you know, probably on 800k-ish approximately, maybe more, maybe less, but he's on a lot of money. And everyone, every Saints fan that I see on social media is like drop him, drop him and like 10 other players, right? 
That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, because first of all, we don't have 10 players in reserve. Everyone's hurt. But I don't know where to go to now with him. Like Rats said in the post-game press conference, post-game press conference, that Hill won't be dropped next week, which is the most foolish thing I've ever heard him say. Why would you promise that? Because now you have to do it. You have to keep him in the team. And I am really not sure that that's going to make him play better. I don't, like, he was so good against West Coast, but we get a good win, and now he's just slacking off again. That footage of the dropped mark by him that led to the Marlon Pickett goal, dropping the mark is okay. It happens. Richmond were applying a lot of pressure. He dropped the mark. He is our running machine, right? That's what he's really good at, running, right? He drops that mark. Marlon Pickett grabs it, starts to run off, and he just stands there. He just fucking stands there. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. If you can't even bring yourself to follow up when you're the one who's fucked up, you should not be playing. He needs to have a serious look at himself, decide whether he wants to actually be playing football at all. I'm being deadly serious. But it's it's different to Hanabry, right? Hanabry is just... His, his body's gone to shit. And whether he looks after his injuries or not, we don't know for sure, but it's probably just shitty luck. It's just shitty luck that we're wasting our money on him, right? It has got nothing to do with luck that so far our money has been completely wasted on Brad Hill. He's now played nearly 30 games for St Kilda. He's played about 27, I think. No, it'd be less than that. It'd be about 25. About 25 games for us, right? He's played maybe, maybe five or six good games. He's had no injuries. There's no problems with his body. He's just, he, I don't know. I just, I don't know. There's something wrong with him, whether he's not motivated or, you know, he is just lacking something on game day. I don't know, but he needs to fix it or someone needs to help him fix it. As for the rest of the team, I don't know. This is, it's so systemic, this issue that we've got of zero effort that I don't know how you fix it. Like, it's it's very clear that we went into this season, sorry, they went into this season just being like, right, we're just going to fucking score. We're going to be really good at kicking goals and attacking, right? Because the whole defensive side of our game has seemed to have evaporated. And I don't know why it wasn't there against Richmond, right? Against Essendon, they had a lapse, right? But then against West Coast, they brought it back and they won, right? So they think, oh, we only have to bring it back one time and then we'll win every subsequent game. 
Like, I don't... I Like, I get it was a five-day turnaround. That's all good. You can be tired, right? Tired does not mean you don't try. Tired just means that you try and you can't try for as long. Right? I, I do not understand what is happening. I, 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 I'm not convinced it can't be fixed. It's only round five, but there's only so many more weeks that you could say, oh, it's only round such and such. We've got Port Adelaide in Adelaide this week, which is going to be a problem, right? Then we have Hawthorne at home and Gold Coast at Metricon. Two games. I, I hope I don't eat these words that we should win. Right? And then I forget who we have after that. I feel like it's the Bulldogs. Obviously not ideal. Um, they don't have to do anything, anything else except increase their effort and their pressure. It's all they have to do. And I'm not a professional athlete, never played football, but only having to do one thing still, it seems relatively simple to me, right? And like, I had no illusions, about, like I didn't think we were going to beat Richmond, but I was anticipating like a three to five goal margin. Like the semi-final that they beat us in was like five and a bit goals. It was like 33 points or something, right? That's the kind of margin I was expecting and would have been satisfied with had our effort been there. Right? Not having Marshall or Ryder or Jones or Geary or Gresham, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, it's harder to win without those key players, but it doesn't mean you don't bother, right? It's, it's so frustrating to just watch them stop. And from the very first play of that game, or the first play that St Kilda had control of, we had it in our back line. You can see we wanted to move it up the wing, right? Good. That is one way from one end of the ground to the other, up the side, right? But I was sitting up on the third tier, and you could see immediately the way that Richmond was setting up, right? They do it very, 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 very well, right? They're so good at this, Richmond, and everyone knows that they're good at this, right? They set up defensively better than anyone else, right? And it is now becoming more known that they will give you that little, they will give you an extra free player at the other side of the ground, at the fat side, to lure you out that way where they're equally as well set up. You just can't see it, right? And the best way to give yourself a chance at combating that is quick ball movement, right? You know what they're going to try and do. Just give them less time to do it, right? And I don't blame the players for not being able to see how Richmond set up because they're on the ground, right? You can't see what's happening. Not really, right? Brett Ratton was almost as high as I was. He can see the same shit that I can see. Right? And for the entire game, the whole game, there was no point where they didn't do this. Every time they took a mark, they stopped. And they would stop 
for five seconds and just look and look and every single time. And we were just all screaming, just move the thing along. They're so afraid of turning it over at the end of their kick that they don't want to do the kick. But you need to kick the ball towards the goals to be able to kick a goal. This is not rocket science. I don't know what game plan they were going with, but it was a fucking catastrophe. It was calamitous. The... Oh, don't eat. What happened with Dusty? What was the plan there? Oh, g'day, Obi. What was the plan there, right? So they, when Jones went out, they brought Dunstan into the team. All right, fair enough. I, I think Dunstan is, when he's on, little asterisk there, when he's on, he's a good player. He only played the one game last year, but he got Brownlow votes in that game, so he's not a bad player, right? In the first quarter, and in the first quarter alone, as far as I could tell, he was given the job on Dusty, right? It looked like he was trying to shut him down. Luke Dunstan has never tagged anyone in his entire existence. Why would you do that? Why would you do that when last year in the corresponding game, so during the year when we played Richmond, Seb Ross went to Dustin Martin, and he didn't completely shut him out of the game, but he completely limited his influence. Right, He did a really good job on keeping Martin out of the game last year and they just didn't want to, they didn't go with that again. I don't understand why. And Ross had, I don't even know what position he was playing. I hardly saw him in the middle of the ground. Ross was nowhere. I think he had about 15 touches. He, He was absolutely nowhere. Our entire midfield got absolute, and like that's another, like, yeah, Brad Hill needs to lift his effort, but I should say that it's it's hard to criticise a pure wingman on his performance when the midfield was getting completely choked. Like, poor Hunter, like, he's not... He's not AFL standard Ruckman. He's a backup, backup Ruckman. And unfortunately, like, you know, good on him for getting to this opportunity, but unfortunately we've had to use him a bit early in the season. Right? And he, he, he couldn't give us first use. He just couldn't. It's not his fault. He's just That's just not where he's at. Right? So, Bolton and Martin and Edwards and all these, and oh, Graham, like they all just massacred us in the centre. And that was it from there. Rewalt kicks five goals. There was not a whole lot we could do. I just hated seeing that margin. 86 points is disgusting by a team who at the start of the year was like competing for a top four spot. Again, I do not expect us to win in Adelaide on Sunday, but I want to see some effort. I want to see lots of tackles. Like, we'll, we'll have Jones and Marshall back in. It looks like Ryder is not going to be playing this weekend. They'll bring him in for the Hawthorne game. But I just want more. That's all I want.
tell you what though, bloody well done Richmond. That was a scary, scary performance. Like, you know, St Kilda were lacklustre, but, you know, St Kilda is still, a, on paper, a quality side. So to do to us what they did is a little bit frightening. And, you know, obviously they can still turn it on when they need to. So teams just never think that you've got them beat ever because they just have another gear that is available to them whenever they like and no other team in the competition has it, which is a little bit scary. All right, let's move on before I just get too sad. Um, Friday night, West Coast getting over Collingwood. This was a very interesting game and it was interesting for me having seen the game the night before because even though Collingwood lost by five goals they had a crack they had a real genuine crack and they were doing really well in the first sort of quarter and a half and then they lost to Goey and they lost Howe and you know even though technically that's only one player off the bench um it's still, you know, two of their key players. And to lose them early in the game makes it really, really hard, especially interstate against a good team. So, you know, they had a real crack early and they didn't stop having a crack throughout the entire game. You know, even through the middle of the game when West Coast kicked, I think, 10 out of 11 goals, got themselves a good lead. The last quarter, the Pies still came at them hard, kicked a few goals in a row. Wasn't quite enough, but they had a real red-hot crack. So, it shows that you can have a respectable loss. Just thought I'd say that. Um, I think, I thought the Darcy Moore thing into the forward line was interesting. I don't know how I feel about it. Obviously, he can play there, kick three goals. So, he knows how to do it. He's done it before. But he's their best defender He's probably their best player. Probably. Um, he's definitely their best defender, and they have a very good back line. Even if it does net you a higher score, I don't know why you take him out of the back line. I don't know why... Like, I know West Coast have a very tall, mobile, marking back line. But I would still play Mason Cox out of the square. I don't know why they don't do it every week. Unless he's injured. Is he injured? I don't think he is. Let's assume he's not. I don't know why they don't play him every week. I, I think it's just they're just better with more in the back line, Cox in the forward line. Just stick with it. Trust me, Bucks. Just trust me, mate. All right? I don't, know. I don't know if they'll stick with the Darcy Moore experiment up forward. I'm not sure. I hope they don't because he is... He's 207 centimetres or something. And when he gets the ball, half back line, and just takes off with it, it is so cool to watch. He is an awesome defender. He's probably my favourite defender in the competition to just watch because he's exciting. And, like, not only is he great defensively, you know, intercept possessions, all of that, he's 
great offensively, which is what you want in a defender. It's like what Alir Alir is becoming, which I will get to, right? You want them to damage the opposition offensively once they've stopped them defensively. It's the same as a midfielder. You want them to be able to run both ways. You want a defender to be able to do both, right? So I would keep him down there, is all I'm saying. West Coast, I think their year is going to be, they're going to be great at home, and they're going to be, eh, interstate. Right? It, they'll probably win just about every game at home, and if all they need to do after that is pick up two or three wins away from home, and they'll play finals. Right? Um, Allen kicks five. I think it was Darling that also kicked five. If you, if every week they're getting ten goals out of Kennedy, Darling, and Allen, they're pretty set. They're they're going to be all right. Um, St Kilda showed that last week you need to beat them with pressure and speed. Um, but when they just control the game at will, they're impossible to stop. And when they're playing like that, they are very nice to watch and they're very impressive to watch. And that mark that Oscar Allen took in the second order was not bad either. All right, moving on. What was the next game? Oh, Bulldogs versus the Gold Coast Suns. Dogs getting up by 62 points. They're just doing what they want now with um, the Bulldogs. Like, they're not getting tested by anyone anymore. Excited to see them play Melbourne and Richmond, other teams like that. Even though I don't, I think they could very well dispatch with teams like that. But they're just they're just having a ball at the moment. Like Bontempelli's kicked three, Trelaw's kicked two, Dunkley's kicked two, English is kicking goals. Like they're getting so many goals out of their midfield because it runs so deep. Trelaw was playing some of the best footy of his career, um, as is Bontempelli. The forward line stuff has finally really come together with Bruce and Norton and English all fitting in there. Turns out the problem wasn't that Bruce and Norton couldn't play in there together. It's apparently that they needed a third tall fella in there to make it work. Um, and their back line as well. They have the least points against in the competition. Not They're not just kicking big scores, they're stopping the opposition from scoring. So their back line has come together now very nicely as well. So Bulldogs have to, have to be premiership favourites at the moment because they are just, they're playing perfect football. Perfect football. They destroyed Gold Coast in the first half. Gold Coast did not kick a goal until a couple of minutes before halftime. And the Dogs kicked 11, right? So there were 70-something points in front at halftime. Gold Coast were able to sort of even it out in the second half. They were better, but gee whiz, the Bulldogs are scary. And I actually quite like the Bulldogs, so it doesn't make me unhappy to see them playing really well. Um... Gold Coast, if, if there's one thing that I learned from the weekend, it's that Gold Coast need to change their jumper. Look what it's done for the Giants. When the Giants came out in that charcoal and 
a little bit of orange jumper in the preseason. I thought it was the sexiest thing I'd ever seen. It looks so good. Some people don't like it, and I understand why. I do not understand why. It looks awesome. And they bloody won with it on. So I think Gold Coast need to change their jumper. I don't know what to. They don't have a lot of very intimidating colours. But that charcoal made the Giants look like scary. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, go, I mean, can we judge Gold Coast too hardly having lost their captain, their number one ruckman, and having no ruckman to replace him? It's pretty hard to, but I don't know. They just, where they're at, they need to be better. They just need to be better. They don't have to win every week or very often. They just can't be getting smashed all the time. They should have beaten Carlton last week at home. They couldn't quite do it. They just need to be a little bit better because the heat will start to come if they finish bottom four again. So don't think they want that. Okay, moving right along to the game that I just mentioned. Sydney and the Giants. The Giants stealing this one. Absolute daylight robbery. Winning by two points in the dying stages. This is one of the games of the year. This was fantastic. So although they couldn't get out to an enormous lead, Sydney controlled this entire game. They led at quarter time, half time, and three quarter time, all by similar-ish margins. Right? In fact, their lead increased by a little bit at every break. Right? But the Giants didn't go away. They hung on. And the way the Giants have played in the last two weeks isn't how they've played for the last five years. It's different. They've got a grit about them. And I think it's because Shane Mumford's back in the side. But they do have a grit about them. And Toby Green is playing freakish football. If he could bloody well kick straight, if the whole team had kicked straight, I should say, on the weekend, they would have won by quite a lot. He kicked, what did he kick? One goal, seven. Is that right? One goal, seven. And that one goal came as the second last goal of the game. So before that, he was zero, seven. Um, yeah, he, he's playing awesome football. He kicked the five goals, I think it was, last week. But he is a barometer for them at the moment, and he's playing very well. Um, Sydney will be gutted about this loss because they were flying. Now, they've had this loss... They've lost Franklin for a month, and they've lost Hickey for two months, which adds to the rampy injuries and the Heaney injury. Yeah, they're, they're in a bit of strife. So, you know, I th- you know, the aspirations of them playing finals might be slipping away. It's hard to say. It's still early. It's hard to say what the longevity of this success is going to be like for them. But, yeah, it was not a good day for them. The, the Giants... Like if, if they had played with this level of grit in like between 2016 and 2019, they could have won a flag in that time. Seriously, this like they've completely changed the way that they're looking at the game. Like they themselves have had a shitload of terrible injuries, but they're still winning games. They've won two in a row now. And they just they just actually got some personality about them, some flair which is really, really nice to watch. And I fucking love their jumper. I, I, I seriously would 
vote for it to become their permanent home jersey because it, it, it just looks awesome. They look intense. And, well, just just imagine if Gold Coast could, you know, find something. I don't know. They've got all those these terrible mix of colors and the fire engine red and the yellow and the robin's egg blue and not a good mix but i don't know it's just just a thought i'm throwing out there gold coast maybe look at doing the same thing as the giants you could change your fortune all right next game oh in the pouring pouring brisbane weather brisbane lions demolishing snm by 57 points joe danaher up against his old team and probably had the best game of his entire career. So he's kicked he's kicked the two goals and had 25 disposals. Which is pretty big numbers for a big lumbering forward. So good on him. Lockie Neal, whose back is now apparently fixed. And now he's playing really well. So good on him. He was brilliant. Um, he kind of played like it wasn't even wet weather footy, to be honest. Um... Brisbane were just ready for this. They'd had a rough few weeks down in Victoria, finally got to come home, and they were ready to just remind everyone that they're still here. That they were they had complete control of this game from pretty early on. Like Essendon only kicked the one goal for the entire first half, and it didn't get much better for them in the second half. Brisbane just as I said, were able to completely control the game and Essendon just weren't on the same level as them. Like, you know, their their youngsters aren't going to play, same with Sydney, you know, same with all these young teams, their youngsters aren't going to have these amazing, remarkable games every week. They're just not going to be able to. It's impossible. And and this was one, one game where just as a team, they weren't on, they didn't gel, they couldn't get it to work. It was in conditions they're not familiar with. Um, and yeah, it just again, against Joe Danaher, it was the perfect storm for them to get smashed. No pun intended. Um, so yeah, Essendon have dropped off a bit and Brisbane are back. Brisbane are back. Who have Brisbane got next week? So next week, Brisbane have Carlton. They're coming back to Melbourne <laughs> to play Carlton at Marvel Stadium. you think they'd win that the way Carlton are going. Speaking of Carlton, next game, Port Adelaide by 28 points over an inaccurate Carlton, nine goals, 14. I know it's against Port Adelaide, but it was at Marvel's, sorry, it was at the MCG, excuse me, this game, the MCG. There's There's a lot of heat coming Carlton's way and they're actually getting more shit than St Kilda are, which I think is interesting, but I don't know, they just seem lost. They're just in no man's land. They, they, they've put together like a not terrible list, but I think it still has some holes in regards to depth. Like I think if you were to put their best 18 on the ground, it's a really good side, but I think that 19 to 26 group is not what everyone thought it was. It's it's not a top eight 
level of, you know, next-tier players in their sort of best team or close to it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Same with St Kilda. I don't know what Carlton need to do to get themselves where everyone thought they were going to be at. Like, I don't think Carlton have the cattle that St Kilda do. That's for sure. But they should be doing better than this. Like, well, like five goals isn't a shellacking like what St Kilda got. It's still, they just weren't competitive. And Port Adelaide are a very, very good team. But, I don't know, they, Carlton just never looked like they were a chance. I don't know. They just seem to me like they've got a few too many passengers getting carried by Cripps and Walsh, is all I would say. You know, even even one of their defenders is having a pretty good year. Liam Jones only had five or six touches. Like, they just got to do a bit more than that. On the flip side, Port Adelaide, still going very, very well. I mentioned Alir Alir before. He's suddenly become one of the best key defenders in the competition. He was always good. He was always, like, very, like, perfectly fine. He was never, like, amazing, but he was always a good, reliable defender. But now he's just become fantastic. He's just a ripper player. Like, he's got to be recruit of the year so far. Oh, Adam Trelaw, probably a little bit better. It's hard to say. In terms of what they've bought each to the team, I think Alir Alir has added more to Port Adelaide because Bulldogs already had a shitload of midfielders. But Alir Alir has just... So far, as I predicted, been that perfect little piece that they needed. A bigger key defender, but he's done so much more than that. Like I was saying about Darcy Moore, damaging the opposition offensively. It's really, really important, and he's doing it very, very well. So he's so far been a very important factor in their early season success. And I'm not at all looking forward to seeing how he goes against Max King on the weekend. Oh dear. Hadn't even thought about that until five seconds ago. Eesh. All right, let's move on so I don't get sad again. All right, the next game, can't even remember, was oh Adelaide and Fremantle. What happened here? What happened there? Adelaide were flying. Tex was flying. And Fremantle jumped him. Well, they didn't jump him. They jumped him in the last quarter, but Fremantle got him by two goals. How did that happen? David Mundy played an absolute blinder. That's what happened. The guy's like 89 years old, and he's still playing like that. He could win the Brownlow. He was, he's been really good in a couple of games. He's, he'll be, definitely will have polled votes so far. He's having an awesome year. These old blokes, him, Tex, Tex. He only kicked two goals. I'm disappointed. He only kicked two goals on the weekend. He needs to be kicking more. Why is why have you stopped kicking five every week, Tex? You're not going to get to 100 if you're not kicking five every week. Right? Anyway, yeah, Fremantle. You know, like, Fremantle could still make the eight. Fremantle could replace Carlton in everyone's pick for the outside chance to make the finals. Like they're just, they're winning games. They've won three games now, Fremantle, which I did not realise. They're playing good footy. Their, their kids are exciting. They've got a lot of energy. 
and their old blokes are playing really well. I don't know, they're just, just, the ability to run away with a game in the last quarter is mature. Especially like Adelaide in Adelaide isn't the walk in the park it was last year. They're pretty good now. So what Fremantle did in that last quarter, especially, very, very important. Not important, I should say. Very impressive is the word I was looking for. Um, yeah, like I don't know what impact it'll have on the season and the, and the ladder as a whole, but for those two teams, that was a very important and very exciting game as well. But yeah, really well done Frio. If, you know, if the Saints do completely fall off the edge of a cliff, I'll back in Frio every week because they're, they're a cool little team to watch. I like them a lot. All right, next up. Oh, dear. Next up, Melbourne defeating Hawthorne by 50 points all in one quarter. So this game was quite low scoring and quite even until three-quarter time when Melbourne decided they wanted to win by a lot and kicked eight goals four to two goals straight. One of those two goals came in the first moments of the last quarter. So the scoreworm's quite remarkable. Like, not a lot of goals kicked. Very, very even. Melbourne only a little bit in front at the start of the last quarter. And then they just went bang, 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 bang. That's them kicking goals. Um, they are playing really, really bloody good football. And I'm fascinated to see what their year is going to end up looking like. Will they be able to... They don't even have to win the flag. If they can carry this form into a good final series, how satisfied will their fans be? What are their expectations going to be on them should they continue to win games, especially win games like this? I'm fascinated to see what this you know system of theirs is going to do against the other top teams when they play the Bulldogs... Richmond or you know Brisbane whoever West Coast when they are playing these other teams how are they going to go but like I said Frio against Adelaide to be able to completely obliterate a team that was pretty much even with you in the last quarter when you're the most tired is hard to do and it's really impressive and like they're, they're kicking these kind of scores, 15 goals, without Ben Brown and Wiedemann in the team. Like Prochaka's kicking goals and still having 25-odd touches. Gorn, 26 touches and a goal. 19 contested possessions. How does he do that? How is that possible for a Ruckman? That's remarkable. That's a really good game for a midfielder. One goal, 26 touches, 20 kicks. He's a ruckman. He shouldn't be kicking anything. Oh my God. Those are remarkable numbers. 10 marks. Oh, that's nuts. I need to look at his up. This is great. Eight contested marks, five clearances. 
Where is he for this one? Five inside 50s. 450 metres gained. This is crazy. And he's not even in the top 10. Oh, sorry. No, I was looking at the wrong stat. He was the top ranked player on the ground. Excuse me. I was like, he bloody well should be. That is an enormous game from a Ruckman. Wow. Gee, he's, he's got to be leading the race for that All-Australian Ruckman position. Grundy hasn't been at his best for a couple of years now, and Nat Nui isn't quite at the level he was at last year. Gorn is playing amazing football. He's, he's really leading that team exceptionally, the way he's going. Um, Hawthorne will not be pleased with the with the end margin, but to be very competitive with a very good team for three quarters is, you know, quite a good effort. It's what I expected from St Kilda, to tell you the truth, but it was not to be. But yeah, they're playing all right, Hawthorne, you know, often gallant in defeat. And say, which leads us to the last game of the round, North Melbourne versus Geelong. Geelong getting the chocolates... Let me just see by how much. So I can... 30 points. 30 even points. Um, which is probably a little bit flattering for Geelong. Because this was a very drab, unexciting game. Honestly, like Geelong are just, are just, I think, in cruise control. They're just doing the bare minimum at the moment to maintain their place on the ladder. Feel like if they need to, they can go to another level. And they've got Cameron coming in this week, which is going to be fascinating. Um, yeah, like North Melbourne's another team that's struggling. Who had a crack? They, they, you know, they really had a go against Geelong on yesterday. Yesterday, um, which is good for them. But you know, we all know they just, they just do not have the players to be able to be competitive. Most weeks, they just don't have them, which, you know, it's just bad luck sometimes. And Geelong just, you know, they just ground away at them until eventually they just broke a little bit and they're able to kick away out to five-goal lead, and that was that. If, if this is how Geelong is going to play all year, they can forget challenging for another premiership. They, they need to up. They, they need to return to the levels that they were at last year. Just a little bit. They're still obviously doing well. They're winning games, but they just seem to be just a little, you know, just doing what they have to, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that, but just a little bit more, I think, is required given what is expected of them this year. But I think we may get that with the inclusion of Cameron. Don't know. I think him and Hawkins are going to work together very, very well. They did work together very well in the preseason, but they just did. Just because they're a slightly different type of forward, Hawkins is more the stay-at-home, one-on-one contest, you know, mark, kick, goal type of player, whereas Cameron, you're going to see him more up the ground, moving around a lot more, a lot more agile. Um, he'll probably be the guy who's kicking it to Hawkins a lot of the time. So I'm really excited to see the two of them play together and see what their synergy is like. All right, that is it. For me today, guys, thanks so much for listening. 
Remember to like the podcast and subscribe and follow and all of those things. I really appreciate it. And I will catch you next time. Bye.